This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is iFanboy Special Edition, Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. My fanboy special edition Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with the animation brain trust Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Ryan Haupt. Hey, everybody. Let's talk about this movie with all these spoilers for this uh, latest the DC Universe animated original films. Paul, what number? 49. Whoa. Ish. 49 ish. It depends on how you count them, but it is the first fully CGI animated film from DC oh, Entertainment. Interesting. It's not just for cars anymore. It's for people and starfish too. So this is a standalone film. It's not part of the Tomorrowverse. That's right. That's what it's called, right? Right. It's a totally standalone film. And it centers on the Super Sons, Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent. And let's jump into it. No one who listens to any of our iFanboy shows is surprised to know that this is a movie I was not at all excited for. Not at all looking forward to. I hate Damian Wayne. I am completely ambivalent towards Jonathan Kent. I don't think either one of them serves their parent characters very well. And I fucking loved this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. This was really good. This is a lot of fun. I was looking forward to this because I like these characters. Damien to a varying degree. It depends on how he's employed, but I like Jonathan Kent. I like the two of them together. I like the sort of odd couple thing they have going on. Uh Uh-huh. And? I enjoyed it. Oh, good. Okay. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it. I thought you were getting ready to, to, oh, to, to no. counter me. I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty good. Jeremy Adams was the writer, and he wrote the JSA movie. He wrote another one we really liked. I had it, and I forgot it. But he seems to be pretty solid in these movies. And I thought that his character work here was really terrific. I thought yes. both Damien and Jonathan were really well-conceived, well-drawn characters from a writing standpoint. He wrote Soul of the Dragon, which we okay. liked. He wrote World War II, which we liked. He wrote on the Young Justice show. He wrote a bunch of Teen Titans Go. Like he's he's pretty well into the DC animated world. But he's written you know three movies which we all liked. So he's someone else's name I'll look out for in the future. Cool. So interestingly enough, it's called Batman Superman Battle of Super Sons. It's really a Superman and Superboy movie. Really, I mean, Damien becomes more part of the story. But Batman's barely in it. 
relatively speaking, to the other characters. It's really sort of a Jonathan Kent story. Yeah, I was surprised because we we start off with the Superman origin story again. <laughs> they had to do it because they needed to shoehorn in Jor-El saying something about like, I hope someday you have a son. Well, but also Starro. And Starro. Kind of I actually liked that. I liked that they made Starro a Kryptonian creature. I thought that that actually made some sense. That's not in the comics, right? Starro is just a random alien in the comics. I can't yep. think of an example of, I mean, there there must be, but usually it's like Brainiac is part of the right. final days of Krypton. But yeah, so here it's it's Starro. And, I, and it's interesting that sometimes DC, they'll like pull stuff off the table if it's being used elsewhere. So it's sort of interesting that Starro played a, a big role in the Suicide Squad and then also right. here. You know, we see the ship with Starro tacking along until about halfway through the journey, and then it falls off and it presumably goes off and creates a Starro race. And we go forward in time after a little fun little comic book style montage, and we see Jonathan Kent, who's, I guess, like a young high school student. It's hard to really say the age. Yeah, he seemed younger than that to me. Really I thought he was like a 10 year old, but he's in high school, so who knows? No, he is he in like middle school. school. Was he in junior high? Maybe he's in junior high school. Maybe he's yeah, I think he was in junior high. I think he's. I can't tell which all children are, yeah. even animated ones. He's precocious. He's precocious. He has a good relationship with his parents. They live in Smallville. As a, He doesn't know his dad is Superman. He doesn't know his dad is Superman. They live on the outskirts of Metropolis. I hate Smallville being on the outskirts of Metropolis. I think it's stupid. It takes away the journey that Clark goes on from Smallville to Metropolis. If it's just a, a suburb, it doesn't really talk really Yeah, I remember there was an episode of Smallville where like Clark can see Metropolis from the top of the water tower. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's dumb. That's where it first came in, and it's it, it just, to me, like, small town kid goes to Metropolis. It's not a big deal if he's just from 30 minutes outside If he's the from city. the Burbs, yeah. 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 Anyway, they live there with Lois and Clark and Jonathan, and, and his birthday's coming up, and it, he's looking forward to hanging out with his dad, who keeps getting called away to save the planet. And we uh, reach the point where he's got to tell his son that he is Superman. And I don't know how long it was, because my DVD player doesn't tell me how far into things I am when I pause it, but... It felt like a half an hour went by before we saw Batman or Robin. It's close to the halfway point where you get to Damien even coming in. Starro comes and takes over the Justice League and starts taking over Earth. And that forces Superman to reveal himself to his son and team up with Batman and Robin. And then eventually Superman and Batman are taken over by Starro. And it's up to the sons to save the day. I really liked the characters. I really liked the way it felt like a lived-in DC Universe. We saw the Justice League. We saw the Teen Titans. We saw Lex Luthor. We saw all kinds of characters that were not focused, but made it feel like we were in the larger DCU in a really organic way. I loved the animation. It's interesting you, t- you say it's the CG. I thought it was terrific, and I found myself thinking this should be the Tomorrowverse style. There were things I liked about it, and there were things that didn't work as well for me. <laughs> I liked the design of the characters quite a bit. I did like the design, too. The voices I thought were really strong was mostly animation veterans. There were no stars in this one. I wonder if they did that because they were nervous that the CGI style, like, do we need, we should bring in some veterans to make sure, just in case the animation doesn't turn out as well, we'll have some good voice talent on board. Maybe, but my only criticism was I thought that Superman, Batman, and Lex all had a very similar kind of voice. I liked them all individually, but altogether they were very deep. This is a very deep voice Superman. I bumped on it most of Superman. Lex almost had a Clancy Brown. I wondered if it was Clancy for a minute. It's not. And I had the same thought about Starro. I was like, oh, maybe like he's not playing Lex this time, but they have him for Starro. It's the same guy. It's Darren DePaul is playing both Lex and Starro. So that's why I got a this was a yeah, it was a very big, beefy Superman with a very deep voice, which is interesting considering, you know, like 
I tend to like the Supermans that come in a little softer. Yes. Like, I, you know, I still think Tim Daly is probably my favorite voice actor who's mm-hmm. done Superman. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I liked it. I liked it personally. I thought yeah. The movie's supposed to be about like fathers and sons. I feel like a softer voice might have been a little less intimidating paternalistically, but I, I didn't dislike the choice they made or the voice they had. It was just something I noticed. So the fun thing about the casting is that Travis Willingham, who plays Clark and Superman, is married in real life to Laura Bailey, who plays Lois in this. So And I thought Lois was great. I think this is one of the best outings we've had for Lois in a while. She's great. She was fun. She was part of the adventure, even though she probably wouldn't survive. The Batman wouldn't have survived that one part where Starro came out of his mouth and like cracked his skull open to come out. And I was like, "Isn't he dead now?" <laughs> like his jaw has been removed from his right. face. I loved. I loved her scene in the Oval, Oval Office when she was sending the message to John up in the JLA Watchtower and blew his secret identity to the whole planet. She almost big curse word drops an F bomb. Yeah. Addressing her son directly was good. It was like funny. I joke. actually laughed at that. I thought that was yeah. legitimately funny. Yeah, I like that they didn't soften Lois, even though yeah. they're like, even though she's a mom. Lois is, as a mom, yeah, usually they would, you know. So they made her really forgetful and absent minded in the beginning when she's getting ready to go to work, but almost all the little bits of comedy paid off later, like the hairspray later became a weapon. Like, yep. they, I thought it was very smartly put together. And like having the baseball scene early on and then tying yeah. that to how they defeat Stara. Like there was a lot of, it was very well scripted. I think the thing you were saying, Connor, with the animation, you know, now that they're doing this CGI animation, it's clear that the characters are based off of 3D models instead of 2D models. Because mm-hmm. the way the camera moves also really leans into this being a 3D environment with 3D characters. So there's a very dynamic camera relative. Yeah, to it moved a lot. Movies. It moved yeah, the way more than normally. Looked really. Cool. I think that's like, because they could. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Some, it was that yeah. ability was unlocked by having a fully 3D rendered. Yeah, it's not like I didn't watch it with 3D glasses on, but you can tell that these character models are 3D and taking up volume in the space, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and so like yeah, the the scene with possessed Starro Lois uh, hitching a ride on the Batwing or whatever we're calling that, and like when she gets knocked out and then like goes flying over top of it. Yeah. into the into the lake really dynamic stuff like like you said ryan and then i really liked the way they depicted crypto flying yeah this was good crypto it just i was watching those scenes thinking about my dog and it's like there's no world in which a dog should have those powers that's insane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well he's a bit smarter than your average dog i just thought he would smell jonathan and know who right. he was but i'm not a dog owner so i don't know also he has like an interaction with the jorel uh like jorel's like you're right the, they are statistically like probably screwed over and it was like oh crypto can communicate so like, we've gone around the bend on the Jorel hologram yeah how much it can do and interact with the world right i think they yeah they needed it to be like this. a recording that he it was like a recording and then it was like a recording that was a program to like answer simple questions and now it's like a fully like autonomous AI. ai that can interact and and know like it's just like all right well Let's dial it back a little bit. And when it points out like, oh, and I only became aware of this like up until my death. And it's like, so like how much can it learn beyond it's, it gets very technical. Yeah. <laughs> right. They need to go back to that episode of the Simpsons where Homer eats the, the chili pepper and goes on the dream quest and says, find your soulmate Homer. And then he comes back to it. And it's like, find your soulmate Homer. But how? this is just your memory, Homer. I can't give you any new information. Right. <laughs> right. You know, Damien, I hate, but you know, he had the perfect douchey hair. He was an asshole. The T-Titans literally rejected him for yeah. being a selfish jerk. For being violent. And he is violent. He's constantly talking about killing people and things. That was one thing that sort of st- stood out to me. Just like the, I think a lot of these animated projects, they, there's, 
they walk a weird line between all ages mm-hmm. and edgy. Well, this was PG thirteen, and so yeah, like some of the like it's it's interesting because the Jonathan and Superman stuff feels a little more all ages, and then you get yeah. to uh, Damien, who feels a lo- like if I had any criticism, it's that Damien's characterization is a little bit um, like poochie in this to go back to the simpsons like he's a bit like too cool for school and the damien i think works is more stoic and like doesn't have show much emotion because he's basically like more of a weapon than a person he's also considers himself nobility like he doesn't yeah. consider himself a commoner right. but here he's like he's kind of like i don't know he's like calvin pissing on a logo of something you don't like he's like he's a little bit like snarky did either of you read the super sons book yes I didn't read it, so it was this. It's been a while, but like I, I feel like he's a little bit more. I don't know. He he's a little more fresh here. Well, the super. I think the Super Sons book. They were already best besties. Yeah, yeah. I just wondered if the characterization right. was 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 vastly different because he does come off older, even though he's shorter in some scenes than than Jonathan. Not every scene. He just comes off as older. And more the thing sure. I mean is like the thing that stood out to me more is like they explicitly make the declaration that he has murdered people, which is yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> it's one of those with like, you, once you ring that bell, you can't unring it. Like he, now he is always someone who has murdered people and he's supposed to be a little kid. That's and they don't like address it in any way. Like, it's not like, cause he says it like, he's like, I have killed people. And it's like, there's one version of it where you could say he's making that up, that he hasn't actually killed me. And there's another version where you kind of have to address that and say like, right. but I have, I've gone through trauma he says he's killed more people than you've ever met. And I was like, oh, right. okay. I was like, wow. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I love that we got Bat-Cow, and I, I thought it was so clever to have that scene early on where Clark and Jonathan are milking the cow together, and then they see Bat-Cow in the Batcave, and Jonathan's like, oh, your cow needs to be milked. And, and they have that little, like, squaring off about whose responsibility it is to milk Bat-Cow. And then, just, and then when Jonathan Bat-Cow? shows up with the bucket and hands it to Batman, he goes, here you go, sir. I'm just like, That's <laughs> right. so cute. Right. So what does back cow that's the thing as as an animal person I'm like what is what does back cow do all day while in a cave know, in a cave it's a very cool back cave design it's very like it's a lot of infrastructure in there sometimes you get more cave to your back cave this is much more like this is a high tech facility yeah but then also like what's crypto doing all day in the fortress of solitude I hope that Superman visits him regularly. The Fortress of Solitude at least has an alien menagerie. So there's other animals for him to interact with. Whereas, you know, there's we didn't see Ace, the bat hound. So we don't know what... Doesn't mean he wasn't there. He could have been with Alfred. And Ace is not really... priorities are, so... Ace is never really drawn as a herding dog. So it's not like that Ace is going to be super interested in hanging out with this cow. So one thing that was interesting to me is that... You know, in the comics, we see adults beating on Damien or, or whoever. We've even seen Damien fight his father. Mm-hmm. But I think in an animated sense, because it was motion and there was voices and the sound effects, I was like, oof, when they showed like Batman just pounding on his son. And they showed Superman, you know, clock his son across the room. It, was, it seemed to me it had a more of a visceral, uncomfortable reaction to seeing that in motion than you see yeah. it on the page. There's like a heft and a weight to the fighting that you don't get on the comics page where it it like scans that a Jonathan Kent whose powers have just come online can't hold his own against a Batman who is one of the best trained fighters in the world and physically still just a lot bigger than him. And I think that like size contrast is also emphasized by the way you can see them moving around each other. Also, I think they make an interesting distinction when Starro takes over people that if Starro could actually access 
your memories or your intelligence in any way, Mm -hmm. they'd be screwed. Like, I mean, they got John, they got Martian Manhunter. Like once you take over Martian Manhunter and Batman, you're basically, that's it. That's like, you know, checkmate. But then you see like when Batman and Superman possessed by Starro are going after the two kids, the two boys, Batman walks a different way. And it's kind of cool. Like the animation captures it really well that he becomes essentially like, like an enemy in a video game. He's just like patrolling Mm -hmm. and like, he's not moving intelligently. And so that, uh, that stood out to me as, is kind of cool that he's just basically like a zombie. I do want to point out Matt Peters, the director, I thought did some really nice touches. And we talked a lot about the camera moved way more in this one, but I remember there was one sequence and I I don't remember which character it was. Someone was on the watchtower and they turned around and John, Jones was there with the star on his face and it was like a whip pan over to John Jones and then we cut. Yeah. It was very effective in terms of like a, a, a jump scare. Kind I of mean, a lot of the star stuff felt like a horror movie. Yeah. Like the way into the dark corridors of the watchtower when Green Arrow is first realizing that there's something else on the ship with him and, you know, it's kind of trying to figure out what's going on. Like it, yeah, it had real horror movie vibes, but it didn't feel unearned. It felt like they actually did a nice job with it. Here's another dumb question that I came up with just naturally watching this is if Starro is possessing Ollie, mm-hmm. does he have worse depth perception? <laughs> with the one eye. He'd have to. Yeah. He's blocking Ollie's eyes. So, right. There were several things where I, I started to think about it and I was like, no, I just can't not worry about it because I was really just enjoying the ride so much. And, and that's good. Characters. But like, you know, I was trying to figure out the world. So if, Wally was still Kid Flash. That means Damien seems to have been the only Robin then. Oh. Do we see costumes in any of the... No, we didn't. I was looking for that. Okay. At one point, he's standing in front of a bunch of... They're all like tubes. Glass tubes. And I thought maybe there'd be costumes there, but they they look like they were empty. But Wally's in the Teen Titans. uh, And the Teen Titans was mostly kind of... Yeah, it was the Young Justice team, wasn't it? Kind of. It's... uh, It was more like the Jeff Johns era roster of like Cassie, Wonder Girl, and Beast Boy. It had the Aqualad from the cartoon... Yes, um, the, yeah, the newer Calderon. And then, like I said, you know, Lois probably would have died several times in this f- <sighs> cartoon if she was. That's classic Superman. Is Lois got to get herself into a scrape somehow? No, I don't know, but I mean, sort of like you know, she she punches through the windshield, the unbreakable windshield of the jet, and she would have mangled her hand, and then she would have died falling off. It, it, it's fine, it's cartoon stuff, but there's just little things like that. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with it because. Again, I think the writing was so sharp in this. I really did think that you had a really good sense of Jonathan and Damien as characters and how they were different and how they were similar and their personalities were really strong. And they felt authentically childlike. Yes, yes. Especially like the uh, the scene in particular for me was when John finds out that his dad is Superman and like just how excited he is and that little kid just nothing but enthusiasm way. And when right. he threw himself off the stairs to see if he had gained his flight abilities yet, I laughed. I thought that was really I, funny. I like how very, he's like, it's very clearly like Batman is his favorite superhero. He says, my dad is the second best superhero. <laughs> yeah. Because kids would like Batman. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think also you have to see, he, you can't have it set up that Superman is his favorite because it has to be set up that the joke is I mean, on you could. Clark that, you know, you listen to like interviews with celebrities and famous people. And if the question ever comes up, do your kids care about what you do? And the answer is always like, no, they couldn't, they couldn't give a shit. So yeah. I think, you know, it, you have to set up that somehow. Right. I was really happy with the quality of the writing and the character work and how considered it was. And I just thought it was, I thought it was beautiful. I thought the environments looked a little stale and static. Like I thought the exterior shots, whenever they're outside of a building, except when they're in space, space looked good. But I thought some of the Smallville stuff didn't look great. It looks a little like clinical. 
And I still think the vehicles, I mean, so, you know, they've managed to capture a real dynamism, as we've discussed, you know, throughout this uh, recording, the characters are really dynamic and function really well as cartoons. The vehicles still seem to sort of have the same kind of flat polygon-esque quality that mm. I, they can't seem to shake. I think once you figure out how to make crypto look right fly, like because that's such, I feel like that's such a problem. Like, how do you make a dog look right flying? Whatever they did, it worked. It, just the way dog limbs move, and like, how do you, you know, show them with momentum? It, it, I think you start from there and then it trickles down from that. You should be able to figure out all the other things and how they move in space, yeah. It's like how when they did The Lion King, they brought an actual lion into Disney Animation Studios to let all the artists see a live lion. I feel like people of our generation, that behind-the-scenes footage is like, I don't know if that ran on the Disney Channel or something, but like that is forever in my mind. That <laughs> is that something we just all know? Yeah, I didn't know. Just, yeah. I, I didn't know that was a. I didn't know that that was completely widespread. But yes, I, I definitely that, remember. Like I saw it yesterday. Yeah, that's the. I also remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles making of with all the Jim Henson puppetry yes, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds like yeah. we were watching the same stuff. So, do we know if this is going to be an ongoing way they animate these movies? As far as I know, it's, they just said that this was the first time they did it but not necessarily the last, so I don't know. Well, I, I like the way it looked. I like the Tomorrowverse look. I like the heavy lines. It looks kind of like a comic book come to life, but I found myself wishing that more of these movies would look like this. So hopefully this is when they do more standalone films. And they don't least. really lose any sense of like expressiveness yeah. to it. I think a lot of times if you're doing bare bones CG, it can feel a bit cold, but like right. they, you know, all the eye movement and stuff, the characters have personality. Nothing looks like wooden or, or anything like that, other than like background stuff. But I don't know if this, this, I assume, is a faster workflow than traditional, traditional animation. animation. Right. And I would think that Tomorrowverse stuff is somewhere in the middle. Right. In terms of workflow. So I could see this becoming a, more of a trend. Well, the results sort of speak for themselves, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it was, I thought, really enjoyable to look at it. I thought it was enjoyable to listen to. I thought I was really impressed with the writing. I was really impressed with the characters. I was really impressed with the action. It was good. And I'm glad I didn't look at the back of the box because they had all the other DC characters on it. I was surprised when they kept showing up. So that was good. Hmm. I didn't really know Starro was the bad guy either. So I really didn't know anything about it going into it at all. Starro's having a moment. Yeah, well, (laughs) it was interesting to put them against such a cosmic threat. I think you have to put them up. You don't have to do this, but I think like they had to figure out a way to get Batman and Superman off the table. Right. And so Starro is a, a good way to do that. There's sure. other ways, but... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, for sure. I mean, you can sit in the space, but all kinds of things can happen. But I, th- I thought it was fun. I thought it was good. You know, it becomes that sort of horror movie of as a kid where all the adults are against you. All the adults that you depend on or trust or look up to are now your enemy. And that can be terrifying. I do like that, you know, you you throw them into their first mission ends with them almost on like a suicide mission. <laughs> like, yeah. There was almost like, like a toy story three moment where yeah. they're, yeah, they're, they're getting ready. They're preparing for the incinerator. The watchtower is, and I'll just go ahead and say it. Cause it, you know, nobody's talking about it and I'm, I'm t- we need to have, a, we, you know, we Uh-oh. need to talk about okay. the watchtowers orbits way too high. Get that thing lower, closer <laughs> to Earth. It's huge. Yeah, this it's is a huge, big but this it's too it's too far tower. away. In the early scene when Superman stops it from entering the atmosphere, like it's way too far away to already be experiencing atmospheric friction and burning up like that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Nobody's talking about it's it. It's a giant. And then the same tower. for Starro getting blasted out of the atmosphere. Like he's already burning up. That that wouldn't work, right? 
I don't know. I mean, I think if you if you, you just surround yourself with enough other matter to burn up, I think you're just trading atoms of atmosphere for atoms of your space station. But it's a very large space station. It's also like a structure like that in space. Superman could not push it from a single point and not have the entire thing just fall apart around him. Oh, this is and we don't have to comment on this any further than this. I will just say that. So there is a point in the movie where Lois goes to meet the president of the United States yeah. and they pause before revealing who the president of the United States is. Right. And I will say that I, it was, I, I had to track. I was, I was noticeably relieved to learn it was Lex Luthor. Who, else who were you worried be? it was I mean, going to be? I knew exactly who it was going to be. I mean, I should, like, I, I don't know. Just the, the way they hesitate. I didn't know if they were going to do a real world president thing. No, DC never does that. DC, I know DC never does, but just the way they framed it, I don't know. You have PTSD. I do. I do. I do have PTSD. <laughs> I just, I, I just knew right away as soon as they went to the White House. I was like, and that's, she's that's going to how see Lex. they always reveal that it's Lex. There's always like a moment's pause before they're like, ah, and then in this reality, Lex Luthor is the president, and like I shouldn't be surprised, but right. <laughs> I thought this was a great little Superman movie that had. Batman and Robin guest starring in it, but mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed the world of Superman. I, even though I don't like Dead Mom Pa Kent, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like Smallville being a suburb of Metropolis. Otherwise, how do they live in the farmhouse? Which I guess, like, did they need to be living in the farmhouse? They I guess don't they need sorted... to be living in the farmhouse. This is sort of like they're taking the Superman Lois TV show. They're taking all these elements and putting them in. It's just like it's dumb to have two big time reporters for the city paper living outside the city that far. They yeah. needs to be in the city. True, but I think for discovering his powers, a farm is a better environment for that than an urban setting where people are around of course, all the time. And they get to echo his father's journey, but it just it doesn't make sense from a practical point of view in terms of, like, I get it, Clark can fly into Metropolis in a moment, but mm-hmm. you know, Lois can't chase breaking news from 50 Why miles away. Why is Clark away. doing a story on bees? <laughs> ants? On ants. Or ants, sorry, yeah, ants. Because he's a nerd. I, I kind of liked that, that it was like, Jonathan finds the suit, but just assumes his dad's a cosplayer because he's kind of a dork. I thought that was a good characterization of Clark. I, I bumped on that too. Paul, listen, <laughs> <laughs> ants don't take orders from the queen. That's not how ant colonies work. It's just a pheromone game and chemically driven. And the queen is not not a monarch in the in the human sense. It's literally just the breeding organ for the colony. It's just the thing, the one that lays eggs. But I think they did that to sort of hint at the um, yes. uh, colonial nature of the Starro organism. Right, right. Yes. And you wouldn't call like one organism the hive mind. There's a term in biology called superorganism, where like a species or gets so socially dependent on other members of its species. The term is called eusociality, EU sociality. Okay. That they functionally can't survive as an individual animal, and so the, and and they offset parts of their own what would typically be the life cycle of a single organism they offset to other parts of the group hence like having a breeding queen so most ants don't ever have babies of themselves but everyone in the colony is like their sister or cousin and so they're all still related to each other so there's still a genetic imperative to keep the hive going and so you have instead of having your own reproductive organs it's like that individual queen over there is our shared reproductive organ and and that by that point we sometimes call them a super organism because they're functioning collectively well, superorganism sounds better than hive mind hive does mind. sound better, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so overall, I mean, I was not. I was kind of dreading. You're looking forward to the. I next was kind of dreading it. I was like, all right, Sons. let's do this. But I was about ten minutes in, and I was like, is this really good? Like, <laughs> now like, this is really good. Yeah. But then again, it was because the first half hour was all Superman. You think it's because it focused more on the father and son Superman 
Well, I mean, I just think overall it was really well. I, I had to respect right. the craft, you know. Okay. As much as I was trying. Well, first of all, I go into everything hoping to like it. I'm trying to check my biases at the door. Sure. Okay, I may hate Damien, but let's judge this movie on its merits. So that's what I tried to do with everything I did for this one. Yes, he was annoying, but he was written to be annoying. But overall, I couldn't deny the quality of the script. I couldn't deny how much I liked the animation. And the story was really fun. And I liked the world. It felt like a lived-in DC universe that I recognized and enjoyed. And this is why the viewers know that they can trust us for unbiased animated brain trusting. (laughs) Connor, this is character development. For me? Yeah. I'm kidding. I got a stupid hair. So just to go over well-trod ground, you dislike Damien conceptually or like because of his character? Like his I think both. Both? I don't like an asshole Robin. It doesn't bring anything to the table. At this point, it's tiresome. No, this Robin that's a jerk to everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody puts up with him. I think by adding in a biological Robin, biological son, you basically eliminate all the other Robins, essentially, because... Unfortunately, you know, because then the Robins aren't Batman's found family; they're his actual family. Right? And yes. He's gonna always gonna have a different relationship with a biological son than how you know. Then there adoptive. becomes a hierarchy, and you know, for better or worse, that's just the way it goes. I know plenty of people who are adopted, and and that's not a knock on that. It's just that you add in a biological son into a, a world in which there's a bunch of found children, and the biological son's gonna always be the top dog, and mm-hmm. you know they can't get rid of him. You know, it's like. <laughs> Grant Morrison killed him and they could have left it at that, but then they didn't kill him. And now how do you get rid of the biological son? You can't. You can't kill him because I think it then becomes like Batman's mission is already unrealistic for a lot of reasons, but like his trauma is always his parents' death. And now if he's also the father of a dead child, how can he, right. How can the crusade still be about his parents when he's lost his own son? Like that to me doesn't scan as a, as a parent with what your motivation is. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. And so, you suddenly lose all this Batman and Robin stuff from 1940 through, you know, 2000 and whenever it was six or whenever Damien first appeared. It's like that whole world and relationship is now no longer possible because you have added this biological asshole to the group and he's always going to be there. It's like that thing in time travel stories, where like it's a fixed point in time. It adds one of these points in the Batman overall story that, yeah, you can't go back from that right you could have done it i mean they had a chance when 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 grant morrison killed him off at the end of his run before the new 52 reboot you could have said that was morrison's thing like he did it right he brought him in he told the definitive stories we liked him at the time then he ended it and we're starting fresh with this reboot and damien doesn't exist in this reboot and they could have done it there and for whatever reason they've gone all in on damien and i'm I've talked about this many times on the, on the Pick of the Week show. I'd love to talk to so many Warner Brothers or DC. If, uh, and just tell me why. Why have they gone all in? There's no answer they could give you that would satisfy you at this point. No, they could. There could be a business reason. I know lots of business reasons for things they do at DC that are dumb, but that's I understand the business reason behind them. But I've talked to many writers off the record who have told me they hate writing Damien. But it's obviously a decision that's much higher than the writers are. You know, So it's interesting. That's all. Anyway, I tried to put all that aside, and I did, and I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the dynamic between Jonathan and Damien. I enjoyed the dynamic between the four lead characters. I enjoyed Lois a lot and her dynamic with her son. Mm-hmm. The Teen Titans were fun in their limited bit. John was fun in his limited bit. Green Arrow was fun in his limited bit. It looked great. I thought this was a really enjoyable movie. This is one of, one of the better ones, I think. I mean, How was the baseball? 
I feel like they've been good. The last couple have all been good. I don't think we've had a stinker in a little bit. I think Justice was pretty bad. Mm. That was fairly recent. Baseball. You mentioned baseball, Paul. So How was the baseball? Good How's form on the baseball? bunt at the end. Mm-hmm. I was impressed by that. I don't think physics-wise what happened with the ball works. It's like Even though he's got super strength, just tapping the ball with the bat wouldn't make it do that from a physics point of view. You can't do a super bunt. I don't think so. They didn't show him really moving the well, I mean maybe. I dropped AP physics so and yeah. It's my worst course in college so Also I, a really yeah. good way to show that you've got superpowers is to bunt a ball to the wall. <laughs> I mean even that dumb kid Melvin would recognize that. He's I got to say he's a terrible bully. <laughs> the kid's name is Jonathan Kent. Yeah. And he th- that's the Jonathan Kent. That's the best you can come up with? Can't stand you. Middle school bully? Well, he's a middle school bully. He's a dummy. All right. I have no memory of this Injustice movie. <laughs> I'm also going to say that right after Injustice was Catwoman Hunted, which we, we did all not like. hated. So that, yeah. was, that was only two movies ago. Really? Yeah. All right. Your thesis is incorrect. Uh, that's fine. That's why we do this is to, to that's learn. Fine. <laughs> These are, there's a lot of them. As Paul said, there's 49. So what are your ratings on your ratings on Bat- Superman? No, Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons. Seven. Seven out of five. Yeah. Wow. Seven out of five. Stand by it. <laughs> Sticking with it? Yep. I'm going to go four and a quarter. 4.25 out of five. Yeah, I think I always want to, yeah, I think I give it also 4.25 feels right. I was thinking maybe 4.5, but I don't know when it's quite there. Right. Hey, are you guys on Letterboxd? No. Okay. Technically, Yes. For listeners out there, since this is a movie show, I'm on Letterboxd if folks want to follow along with what movies I watch. And what is your username there? Helped. H-O-U-P-T. That's good. I'm going to log this film. I stand by my seven, grading on a tilt because of crypto. I, I really... It was a good crypto. Good crypto it's, it gives good crypto. Not that kind. This, yeah. is, this, this one hasn't crashed. I also That's had to put day. aside the idea that crypto was trying to incinerate a couple of children, but... You know, you got to put that aside when, you, when, you, when you're in a world where super kids are also super. At one point, I was like, he's trying to kill these kids. They released that clip in advance of the movie. Uh-huh. And I felt that way. And then watching the movie, I think I was like, oh, he's probably Starro got him. That's why he's acting like this. And then I don't know. No, he's just a yeah, good you're boy. Probably right. All right. So right before this, we did this show, the benefit to the delay was that we had the official release date and trailer for Legion of Superheroes the next film that's set in the Tomorrowverse. It comes out February 7th, 2023. It seems to be a full-on Legion movie, Yeah, which I was surprised. That looks cool. I mean, they're adding Supergirl as the hook, but still, it's just like, you know, anytime they deviate from the norm of like Superman, Batman, and Justice League, I'm always surprised. And if yeah. they go beyond Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Flash, or Aquaman, I'm doubly surprised. So Legion of Superheroes, I was like, okay, let's do it. I'm into it. Whenever they go with the weird characters, they sort of get to have fun. And looking at the cast list, it looks like a full-on Legion movie. It's a Monel finally. Does anyone like Monel? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, he's allergic to lead. That's why it's 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 insanity. Aren't we all kind of allergic to lead? We eat it. Uh, should we get your pipes replaced? So I'm looking forward to that. I didn't watch the whole trailer because I didn't want to be totally spoiled, but I watched enough of it to be like, okay, I'm into it, and then I turned it off. But looking forward to that. Into it. 
this is fun. I'm looking forward to that. And then previously we had a Batman the Doom that came to Gotham and Justice League War World announced. They haven't given release dates on those for next year, but presumably those are the three films for next year. Is War World going to be like the recent action run, action comics run that we had? I don't know. From what I have from this announcement, it's part of the Tomorrowverse, but who knows? We just don't know enough about it yet. The Doom that came to Gotham is based on a comic. That's a Mike Mignola comic. Right, yes. I picked that up in a recent Comixology sale and have yet to check it out, but I will. That's the book that he said that really sort of unlocked his Hellboy style. Interesting to see how they do that one. I saw a tweet once, Paul, by um, David Brothers. It said, comics, unlike heroin, you still buy when you still have unfinished comics. Like heroin, you usually finish the heroin you have first. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it's a strange addiction that you keep stockpiling it, even though you've got plenty you haven't gone through yet. <laughs> well, in comics, I'm always worried about things going out of print. Or being unavailable, yeah. And it shouldn't happen with digital comics, but... You never know. I have this weird, yeah, hoarding mentality with You're comics. You're allowed. We all have our little weirdsies. Yep. All right, so we'll be looking forward to Legion of Superheroes in, in two short months. We'll be back with the next Animation Brain Trust show. And until then, happy holidays. My name is Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm Ryan. And remember, they're not technically fish. They're not technically stars either, but they're from the stars, so that's good enough. Though my eyes can see, I still was a blind man. Though my mind can think, I still was a bad man. I hear the voices when I'm dreaming. I can hear them say, Carry on our wayward stuff. There'll be peace when you are gone. They all really have to rest. Don't you cry.